And we're off. Welcome to episode three of the Generic Foiling Pod. You sound bored again. <laughs> we'll get on to why. Uh, we're back. Um, Liam and I are now sat in his living room with a few duvets on the wall to try and soften the sound after a little bit of feedback from uh, some friends of ours and some people that have listened to it, which looks a little bit ridiculous, but hopefully uh, it'll make a difference. Uh, Episode 3, we're going to start delving into our winging careers so far. It's kind of the reason we wanted to start a podcast in the first place. It is our main passion. Uh, it's what we want to talk about most. For we you, just... I'm, I'm, I'm getting well, mixed between all of it, yeah, okay, loving it yeah. all. But we haven't talked about it yet. It's one thing. It's it's the biggest. It's the biggest side of foiling in the UK that's going on. It's the one people most mentioning about. It's the one I want to talk about mainly. So we're going to delve into that a little bit. We're again going to discuss some of the sessions we've had uh, on and off the water this week because it has been a hell of a busy one. We've had a really good heat wave. It's been 30 degrees all week. We have just had a thunderstorm here, which was kind of nice, but it is now really hot and humid. But firstly, we wanted to discuss and bring up some of the questions and feedback that we've had this week. And so I will pass you over to Liam, who's been scouring the Instagrams, Facebook pages and any of the emails we've had as well. Yeah, we've had a good number of messages. Some just giving us feedback and saying they're looking forward to the next one. Thank you for those. All have been read, most replied to. I say all, I make it sound like loads, but those that have sent something, thank you. Um, There's been a couple of bits that turned into a little bit more of a discussion. So one of the sessions that we did get this week, um, we got bloody lucky. That was one of those days of the summer where you feel grateful, wasn't it, going out beyond the Barnet Bash bass basher yacht hms bass basher hms bass basher a friend of ours parents have got a lovely 28 foot is it called an axonar axapar axapar yeah axapar i don't know what type of boat you'd even call it just a serious vessel google it if you don't know anyway we got to go out for a bit of an evening on that um the condition of us coming was that basically we had to provide some entertainment getting towed behind the boat um so we brought my little wake foil set up with us uh, and if you follow the Instagram, if you don't follow it, if you do, you've probably seen a picture of me behind that boat. It's not what I normally ride behind wake foiling. Um, it was very different to what I normally ride behind wake foiling. But it did prompt a question from one of the listeners about what gear would be appropriate from what they've got to use. Now, it just so happens that that person has the same foils that I do in terms of the same brand and style, which is an F1 Phantom. Um they said that they had a 1780, 1480 and 1280 from memory and they were basically asking what would be the most appropriate to go wake foiling um, and they're not actually the first person that's got in touch with us that is interested to do more towing behind a boat and I think that as we know anyone that gets into foiling of one discipline wants to do another and for those that have got a boat they're automatically going to start doing that. So I thought I'd delve a little bit into my thoughts on that um it's something i've been learning a lot about this season having not done it too much before that and i still haven't done any you still haven't done any nope did some of that that night but it was awesome to do some more three factors number one the boat i think that's always been obvious i've had a go behind a small rib I've had a go behind my dad's ski boat, which is a 19 foot, so it's kind of a baby mastercraft. It's an inboard boat, but it's only small, it's 19 foot. So it's one of those boats where with no ballast in it, um, it produces a very nice shaped wake, but a fairly small one. As soon as you start putting people or ballast in it, it gets bigger quicker. 
and then had a go behind this friends thing which was pretty powerful wasn't it Big old boat. so that is a massive factor the the bigger the boat the more energy that there is in the weight behind it for sure you're going to either want to step down in foil size to because you can and it's enjoyable to do so it gets more maneuverable and nimble um, and you will find it easier i refer to it as catch yourself so when you do a turn or something off the wake and you ride back into the wake the foil will just pick up the energy of the wave so much easier so it definitely depends on your boat size it also massively depends on your skill level I mean, I've seen in Exmouth, I've seen some of the really good Exmouth foilers who have got experience behind the boat using very small foils behind very underwhelming rib wakes. And the reason that they can do that is because they are masters of positioning on the wave when they need energy from it. And they're also extremely good at pumping. So quite frankly, they could carry on going with no wake so they can easily make up for little lulls or make up for mistakes and carry on. And then the final factor is very much what you are trying to achieve and your sort of riding style and how much speed you want to ride with. I'd say it's fairly true that most boats produce a good size wake at the sort of speed that we tend to want to wake foil at, which for most people is probably only around 10 knots. That's kind of your pre-planing speed for a lot of boats and therefore it's plowing a lot of water out of the way. Um, and it tends to produce a good size wave. If you want to start riding quicker, I notice I enjoy riding foils with a little bit more speed to most people. And I only say that based on the fact that I seem to overtake a lot of people in Exmouth when going. And I think that's more out of a desire to ride it quickly rather than out of a skill level thing. When there is ballast in that ski boat that I use and the wake does pick up a little bit, you find yourself able to ride at more speed um, because yes, when you make mistakes at speed, it's a bit more sensitive, but when you've got more ballast in the boat, there's more energy in the wave and you can get back onto it easier. What I do notice is I typically use the 1480, the bigger of my foils behind that boat. And when I do start riding faster, it does get to the point where it's starting to feel a bit draggy and I kind of wish I had that 1080. So I think those are the three factors there. Um, and uh, from what I understand, I basically told told that listener that and they seem to appreciate that. And so it's very much experimentation. And I very much felt when we went out the other evening behind um, behind that boat that I would have very much liked a smaller foil because <laughs> there was absolutely no issue when no. you do did do a turn get back was, on the wake again. Power was not an issue. I was obviously in a different situation where I haven't done it a huge amount behind the boat. And when I have, it's generally been a rib. Um, I say it was nice. It was nice to learn on for me, especially that fourteen eighty. It was the first time I'd ever been on that, so it was quite intriguing to to, to try. It didn't feel like too big of a win for me. I'm sure they're very comfortable at speed. Those yeah, things they're very forgiving well, over their range. In general, yeah, I thought it was very nice. Be interesting to try the smaller one. I'm sure that twelve eight. I'm not sure I'd wanted to have dropped down to that ten eighty. I think I might have struggled on that. Yeah, because that was the first time I'd ever dropped a rope behind a boat, um, purely because we had. Well, you've got all that lift from a 1480 and a, and a huge, decent-powered uh, weight boat. Well, boat. Uh, I'd be interested to try the 1280, but I think maybe a 1780 might be too much for most conditions. I think so, except for the fact that I know that if I was to take a complete beginner behind the boat I would normally use, what a big wing will allow you to do is, especially if you're using a boat with an outboard. Now, my the one I usually ride behind is an inboard, Props under the, the propellers under the boat, you're never scared of hitting that. 
Um, whereas it was noticeable riding behind a boat with a massive outboard, riding on the first wake and having such an abundance of energy which can turn into speed, even though you're probably never going to hit the propeller, I was way more conscious of it. I just kept staring at it. Yeah, exactly. Just literally keep staring at the engine and then you're just getting, what's the word? Uh, Wash. Well, yeah, getting washed. You're getting closer and closer and closer to it, but it was also getting really, not monotonous. Uh, What is it? I'm thinking about it in comparison to forage harvesting, which is slightly different and off topic of this. <laughs> um, you, your brain, you, you watch it and it's like you've been mesmerised yeah, yeah. by the back of the boat because you're that bloody close to it. All you can but see think, is whitewater. So in that scenario, if I had a certainly someone that hasn't done much by the way of other foiling disciplines or somebody that hasn't ever tried pumping yet or they are fairly new to winging and whatever... And even if they're a bit more experienced, the nice thing about using a bigger wing is that you can use a longer line, put them further on the outside of the wake, and they will still be able to get a feel for the glide. Because basically, my experience teaching my dad has been that the bigger wing you use on the less powerful bit of the wake, the more margin there is for error, and the less likely they are to breach and get their pitch control wrong and all that sort of stuff. So I think there's basically a time and a place for all of those wing sizes and depending on who you are, what boat you're behind and what style you're trying to achieve is going to depend on which one you use. And that'll be the same crossover with a lot of the disciplines as we are noticing now from all these different brands is there's, there's hundreds of bloody front wings, rear wings, fuselages, masts, but it's you don't need to own every single one of them. You don't. You just eventually figure out what kind of style you're using, what kind of conditions you're in and what kind of size you are and you end up narrowing your selection down anyway oh and the whole point one of the big things that we wanted to share with this podcast was specifics so just to be clear for me um i'm about i think at the minute 78 79 kilos always just shy of 80 basically i will use the 1480 phantom by choice i'm using that on a tiny little tray style board one of those very low volume sub 10 liter boards that's less than a meter long um, that is the most playful setup that I enjoy behind that small ski boat that I described. If there was two friends or more in that boat and the wave was a bit bigger, I would definitely choose to go on the 1080 and probably increase the boat speed from around 10, 11 knots up to like 12, 13 knots. So that's that specific case. Same would be true with that Axo par boat, bigger boat, more powerful wake. I would choose to use a 1080. That's my thing. And but I'll delve into this a bit more in the future, but my dad has learned on that 1480. He has used a different board to do that to make it easier for him to get up. So board, he, boards is the big one. Board makes a big of, one, yeah. I can jump in on a little bit. Purely the times I have used it, we went out behind a decent-sized rib. Uh, or have, have weight foiled, sorry. Went out behind a decent-sized rib. I've got a 40-litre prone board, uh, which is what I was trying to do. It's strapless. That proved doable for me with some technique uh having wakeboarded for a lot of years could kind of figure out that the thing's very very floaty uh that was a real struggle for the other guys that i was with though who were beginning um so i think it's very been been, been conscious of what you're going to try and learn on the, the, the my da- i bought specifically for my dad to learn he's done no other foiling discipline i bought what's called the slingshot wf2 it's like four foot ten I think it must be, I don't know, somewhere between 20, 25 litres. And the thing that's so valuable with that, um, it comes with that half strap thing. So it's got something that you can hook your front foot into. It's not too floaty. It doesn't float away from you. There's something you can hook your foot in to get ready to go. 
but you are not trapped. So if the foil does twist or whatever, you're not going to damage your ankle. You do only have normal strap option. Just use one front one just to have something to hook yourself in place. But put two in and you get too tight in those and you crash. You're just asking for a bit of a spanking it unnecessarily. Makes it, easy. it makes it easy to start off, to start up. And it also gives you the place that you need to put your feet into. Exactly. So you, you know straight but off. But I wouldn't go for two personally no, just because you don't want your ankles twisted because one of them got stuck or one didn't or whatever. And one hurt. tends to always straps, come off. Straps on, on foils because you're always instinctively following, following the opposite way of yeah. your foil. I, I've done some damage to my ankles whilst we've been Me too. learning kite foiling. So just, yeah. One always comes off, two not so much. Yeah. So anyway, so that was that. Yeah. Um, so that was quite interesting. Thank you to that person. Uh, keep keep those shout outs coming as I said if you don't follow us already on either Facebook or Instagram do go on there um, as we as our audience grows and we get more confident doing this I think the stuff that we post on there will probably get more and more stupid to be honest at this point we're not wanting to offend anybody but yeah, yeah, as time right. goes on our true character will come to light I'm sure but we also know that there's a lot of people with a lot of questions so that's where to answer you, to, to ask you questions and if you see us doing something because we're all experimenting with it as well or, or even if we're just doing stuff that we do know just ask a question or give us your feedback on on, on what you want to know or what, what you found yourselves so what's next what's winging Wing, oh yeah winging. the winging journey yeah, go the on main, then Freddie the tell thing. me about your winging journey so winging came about I don't know three years ago probably forget that we wouldn't know about you Pam. my winging yeah but well as it because I work in the industry that was kind of it kind of ties into itself so we we do look after ozone kites in the uk who very quickly jumped on i say very quickly jumped on they, they weren't quite as quick nash and slingshot and who else had wings out a few of the big brands had some wings out ozone came out with one reasonably quickly uh the wasp which did really well for us but the main thing that became very obvious very quickly is neither myself or my colleague had a clue what we were on about so i kind of took it on myself to go and have a go on one and try it and see what it was about. And then the more the, the the media kicked off and you do start seeing what these guys in America and, and, and Mauritius and anywhere but the UK, basically, or even then watching Guy Bridge down in Exmouth, because he'd already caught onto it very, very quickly. Uh, it soon became apparent that I wanted to reach those levels. And you've mentioned this before, that you saw what Guy was doing and you wanted to go and do that. Oh, I was tunnel vision. Yeah, so <clears throat> I remember watching Guy with a lot of friends. I went sea swimming one night in Exmouth. Uh, wild swimming, as you, you quite enjoy wild talking swimming. about. I took my dry robe down to the beach and I uh, put my goggles on and went for a swim. And Guy was out winging and he was ripping. And I was only just kind of playing with it. And I remember my mates going, oh, you know, this is the winging that you do, Freddie. And I was like, well, yeah, but very bloody different to how Guy's doing. And he was dropping the wing at that point. So he'd taken his leash off, thrown the wing in the water. He was pumping around on the waves or, or, or gliding around the waves and then pumping back out to pick up his wing, which was just phenomenal to watch, especially as I had to explain to my friends who are not kiters that you are watching one of the best in the world doing this. Do not compare me to him at all. But that was a couple of years ago. And uh, yeah, as that media cut started coming more more and more big, uh, you see people riding waves, bigger waves. You see people riding swell. And I was like, that's the same thing. I want, that's what I want to do. That looks awesome. And yeah, we obviously, we look after Axis foils and we look after ozone kites and... We very quickly were having kit thrust upon us. What gear did you learn on? 
the gear that I learnt on, I had an SIC SUP foil board, 115 litres, with a 102 axis beginner setup. It's about 2,000 square centimetres, I think, that one. And you're also around 80, just about 80, 80 kilos. 80 yeah. yeah, 82 kilos generally. If I've had a big run or a big trip to the toilet, I'm, I might just dip under, but I'm usually about 82 kilos. Um, ozone Wasp, 5 metre, and that was me set. I'm not good at learning stuff, as you know very much, and, and I'm sure when we have some guests on who are friends, they will attest to that. Uh, Freddie swore a lot. I swore a lot. I still swear a lot. I have bad sessions, as we've mentioned, and then it ruins it for me, or I don't. I have too much time in between, and especially when I'm learning something. I remember when I first learned to wakeboard when I was a kid, and I kept going back to kneeboarding, because I was a fairly, I don't mind saying, proficient kneeboarder behind a boat. We're talking back flips, front flips. I was comfortable. But because I was comfortable, and I found it easy, I didn't want to go to learning something that I found hard, which is exactly the same two or three years ago with kite foiling or kiting and winging. Every time it was windy, I would still choose kiting over winging, and I just detested having to go and learn that. Did you make steady progress, or did you have a couple of sessions where you were barely up on the foil for longer than 20, 25 metres, and then one of them clicked, or did you just make steady progress where every session your start would be more consistent and you'd ride longer and longer and longer? I honestly can't remember. I had one, I had one session, and I've talked about it briefly, uh, when Andy Gratwick got us down to the OTC as brand reps to talk about the first wing foil demo and instructor course. And there wasn't any wind, but that was the first glide I'd ever had. I really, really struggled with it. And Richie B was running circles around all of us, making us look like idiots. And I got one glide of about 50 to 100 metres, and I was like, wow, okay, that's and Just cool. for reference for how long we've been doing it, when would that have been? That was like... Oh, October 2020? Pre, Pre-COVID. Was it pre-COVID? Pre-COVID. Are you sure? It's I don't COVID. think the syllabus has been around that long. I feel, I feel like, like I had, it was late 2020. I feel like I had winging gear before that. I don't know, either way, so it's a couple of years. Uh, yeah, that was that was, that was was my learning process, so, so I did that. I, I obviously was in Exmouth with Liam a bit, trying to learn there predominantly. Uh, I was down at South Milton in South Devon trying to learn there in some flatter water when there was wind. My main issue for a long time, and I know I still remember this, is I didn't go out in enough wind. Because when it got windy, I went kiting. Or we had a bit of a blip and it just didn't it didn't get wind. As soon as we got wind, bang, I was away. I think a lot of people will be able to sympathise with you because you travelled more than I did during your learning process and I remember you would always go somewhere else, have really nice flat water, have really good sessions oh, yeah. whenever you had flat water. Whenever you were in Exmouth and you had flat water, you'd have really good sessions and then as soon as it wasn't low tide or we were out in the waves or it was choppy, that would be the time when that you'd be, be throwing a tantrum. And I'd be throwing a tantrum because I felt like I should be out there with you. You, you, Steph and Eric and, and Ollie and Guy would all bugger off out to the back and play in the waves. And I just couldn't, A, couldn't bring myself to go out that far because I knew I was going to struggle because I would get so tired. I remember my feeling like my arms were going to be ripped out of their sockets. I was going to be knackered and I'm cramped up. That's not good for the um, for the results of CrossFit, that, is it? The yeah, fact I, that you again, do all this just, CrossFit no, but I, can't wing without getting a bit tired. I find that with different, with different sports. That's another thing. It took me a long time to get to a point where I was comfortable being out for an extended period of time. Everything, everything I'm doing for the first 15 minutes until my body realises what the bloody hell is going on, 
I struggle. So I go out and if I try and do one great big tack straight out to the back in Exmouth, now I'm all right, but back then I'd just cramp up. Cramp up like crazy. I'd have to do a good few turns to kind of get some muscle, uh, some blood flowing through my muscles to, to get to that point. And I remember when the harnesses start, started flying about, I thought, well, this is it. I'll, I'll get onto a harness because that'll solve it. But at that point was the point where my body just went, cool, this we got fine, this. Yeah. This is fine. So what gear did you progress through? So I dropped down too quickly. I remember that. I dropped down onto a 101 pump and glide. It's about 1,500 square centimetres. I badly can't quite remember exactly what it is, but it's about 1,500 square centimetres. Uh, and it does have a fairly low stall speed, not quite as low as the 102. The 102 is very big, but I think I dropped down very quickly because I was very conscious I wanted to get other customers on kit, on demo kit, and none of them were that bothered about trying the bigger kit. So I didn't want to keep too much kit on demo. I wanted to have a little bit of a balance behind it. So I took the 101. And I dropped down fuselages, so I went straight. I dropped down from a standard fuse length down to an ultra short fuse length, which once I was glide up and gliding, and that probably that made me then struggle with my turns, my jibes. Because um, you sacrificed stability. ease of pitch control yeah. front to back, yeah. so that shorter fuse made pitch control more yeah, difficult. Very much. So during the jibe, you'd breach. Yeah, it took a little bit more getting going to get up and onto the foil dropping down to that wing, saying that I kept that for a long time. Then I introduced a smaller board. So I dropped down, to, again, I dropped too far too quickly. I went down to an 80 litre very quickly. Again, the SIC board range was changed up. I found a buyer or someone asked about buying my board, so I sold it. Um, and then I took an 80 litre. So I dropped from a 115-ish to, to an 80 litre when I probably couldn't turn that well. So I definitely jumped too much, which then angered me even more when we went out <laughs> in most conditions um and then i introduced a smaller front wing this was the period when i remember you started chopping and changing wings quite a lot didn't yeah, you because you're bad. you representing axis in the uk you started demoing more and more of that range as it started getting very popular and you were sort of swipping and swapping all the time which... trying to keep hold of stuff but also getting asked for a lot of stuff and it's the same now like my art setup my 999 is over on hailing island at the moment um and today my hps wing that i had on demo has just been sold to a shop down there you know, so what are you on now by choice if you didn't have to give the gear to people by choice well, is it by choice i don't think much of it is by choice yeah okay, what do you use most now 999 art 999 uh, is what I've been winging on for a little while. We we had a second, we had a demo one for a little while. Came back from a customer, and I thought, I know I'm not ready for it, but I'll have a go. For anyone again that doesn't know what the art is, uh, there's the art, there's the HA range from Armstrong, there's the Eagle range uh, now from F1. It's their reduced cord, super high aspect, aspect ratio of ten, um, top end wings, absolute frictionless glide they talk about and I went straight back to being a beginner again I hated the bloody thing but I had it and I thought sod it I had a customer for the 1010 pump and glide I was ready to progress because you know as we talked about with that bigger wing it was fantastic in light in light winds as soon as I was getting into the bigger wing the bigger winds it was struggling and even just dropping down the face of a wave I wanted something a little bit carvier um and something a bit quicker. So, I, so, so what I, board do you pair with the ART999? Well, up until literally... Well, no, it's still the same board. It's still the same 80-litre board. Uh, it's a newer model of the SIC Raptor that I had before, but it's still 
it's still the same board. Because I feel like you wanted to go smaller, but I sort of felt like I was trying to talk you out of that on yeah. the basis that you've tried a smaller board before. I've used smaller boards, I think, a little bit more than you. Um, having tried, as in not using it regularly, but trying different models and just realizing how fatiguing it can be and how annoying it is when you're in difficult, challenging, wavy conditions, which is when you tend to struggle struggle more than me anyway. So yeah. I remember thinking the last thing you want is to go down to something that's 50-55, make it more physically demanding to start, harder and slower to start, and then end up yeah. stuck in the shore break because you've ridden a wave in too far and got stuck. And I'm still there. I'm, I still have these terrible sessions where I, I do struggle with it. Uh, I think I'm a, I do get to see a lot of different conditions in different areas, as in I've had a few sessions in North Wales and uh, in, in along the South Coast, and I've seen these different areas where there are people who ride the smaller kit and love it. And so I, you know, we have these conversations in Exmouth about that, but then I go there and then I get talked into smaller boards again by Chris Burke, who's, yeah. who, who's an absolute advocate of them. I think when I started, because I do have a 40 litre board and that's kind of why I dropped down to a smaller front wing so I could use it for prone foil as well, because I was super interested in that. I got a 40 litre, again, SIC poacher board to go and surf foil on. And I, I knew it could be winged, and I was getting to the point where I thought, oh, sorry, I'll, I'll have a little go on it, basically. And as Liam is now smiling, because he's probably looking at the eight stitches I put into my forehead from that board. Uh, that... We'll, put, we'll put a picture on our Instagram <laughs> at some stage. Have a some little look stage. at what happened when Freddie <clears throat> tried to ride a low-volume board. And it wasn't even a good story. It was a stupid story, and it was me getting wound up and not being able to do it. But I did get it. It took me, what, half an hour of flailing around in the water, and you were watching from the shop, thinking that we're not going to hear the end of this. Uh, and I was flailing around and struggling, but eventually, after half an hour, I was getting up. I think I cramped up a few times in the water. I think I'd just done a big run the day before. And so I remember being in the water trying to crouch, because it's strapless 40-litre board. So if it was strapped, I think I wouldn't have struggled quite as much, but because it was strapless... I was just having to find my balance a bit more and not slide my feet about. And I was in this super awkward position. And my legs just started cramping up in the middle of the estuary. But anyway, so I dropped down to that. But I, I, I used it two or three times. I haven't even tried it since I put those stitches in my forehead. And I'm not overly bothered about getting anywhere different. We just had a new range of the Axis boards come in. There was the option. We've got a couple of 55 litres in stock. I was tempted to, to try it because the SIC was an older model and I wanted to move it on. But I think after talking to you and talk, talking to friends and kind of thinking about it myself, as much as I would like to say, you know, I can ride a small board and I can do it when I'm comfortable. For the places that I ride 90% of the time, i.e. Exmouth, Bantham, South Milton, it's just not suitable for it. I'm always happy to be corrected. And I know that there are a lot of good, there are a lot of very good riders around the place. Um... I do think when I spend too much time on some of the Facebook forums and winging forums and stuff like that, I do think that board volume and foil size is a little bit of willy-waving sometimes. And quite often people like to be going, oh yeah, well I can use my 40 litre board in only 12 knots on my 7 square centimetre foil. But you sat there for fucking 40 minutes trying to get up in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Now... Coming back to just just before I put this topic to bed, I think the reason I can say that with some competence, some competence, no, some authority, yeah, okay. is that as Freddie said, um, we're we're local to Exmouth, Guybridge, 
most of you, if you're interested in this, may have heard of him. If you haven't, follow him on Instagram. Um, extremely talented rider. He is based in Exmouth. He was my inspiration for getting into winging for sure. And I have watched him on a four and a half, on a 980 Kajira that he was riding at the time in those 12 to 30, well, 12 knots that people talk about. And he will get going, but as you said, it will take him a long time and he waits for the gust and he has a few attempts where he goes like the absolute clappers. And as much as I joke about him and uh, he's got an extremely active girlfriend and we joke about his cardio and everything, but there's no denying he's extremely fit and strong. And every now and then you watch him get a bit frustrated and just realise that he might actually have to swim back. Yeah. So um, And usually he's drifted right down the estuary to yeah, his yeah. house. Oh, anyway, he doesn't so care. Yeah. An issue. But anyway, the, the so, cool thing, oh. um, two, two points there for him. Uh, when you're at a level with riding where you're not going to come off on the foil, you're like, once you're up, you're up. Yeah, you'll take those risks. You'll take the risks. Because once yeah. he's up, I, I, we've watched him for ages. If he chooses not to crash, he doesn't crash. He doesn't crash. Uh, likewise with some of the other guys like that as well. And the other point I've now completely forgotten about, no, we, uh, as a sales trend, so from, from working in the industry, there was a huge push, and I, and I mentioned this, I spoke to Adrian from Axis, who's all over the Facebook pages, but I had a little Skype call with him this morning about some bits, basically saying and explaining that as soon as they bring new kit out, i.e. people bring out smaller boards, or people drop a video where they're riding tiny little boards, the way foiling is at the minute, everyone just gets so excited, goes out, buys it. Mm. And then about two months later, they come back and they think, oh, I need a bigger board again because mm. I can't do this. There was a huge jump when people, well, when we were starting to win, and it's still there to a certain extent, but people are getting better now with their skill levels. Skill level was quite low a while back, roughly. Uh, it was quite. It was generally fairly low, but people were getting a lot smaller boards. And even I, who was selling them or talking to shops about them. Or, it was a good marketing tactic. It was a way, I personally think there was a little bit of, we can sell a bit of product here by saying to people, you'll use this board to learn and then you'll want to step down, step down. Because I got a lot of customers into the shop. You know, you're selling to shops, I'm selling to customers. And I was having a lot of customers worrying about the future proofing of their board because they've read this and they've read that and the size is going to go down and blah, blah, blah. And I've always been an advocate for maximizing the potential of the gear you are on as much as you can before stepping down or maximizing that potential buying your second board your smaller board before actually selling your first board and having a crossover for a while and figuring out in what conditions one's easier the other you know in what conditions the second one's easier but anyway that's a story for another day so to finish off your winging journey um favorite session and when do you remember your first proper glides well that first first glide at the otc in portland i'm talking on that's a wave now because that was okay. our objective uh, okay. both okay, of waves. us wanted to get okay into well waves. That's, yeah that's a different different thing as well like that's that is both of our our riding styles are very similar i would say my, you're, you are a better winger than I am, but we're generally looking for the same kind of things. We want to get into waves straight away. Freestyle can go and fuck itself. <laughs> I've, I've got no interest. I've got no interest in it. It's just, it's just not my cup of tea. 
Waves is where it's at, and I love it. I think it looks fantastic, and I think it feels fantastic when you're on it. Uh, best session is easy. I've had a couple of trips down to Bournemouth area to go and ride with Chris Burke from Poseidon, Poseidon Kite School. Um, love him to bits. Great rider. Down there, Avon Beach. Riding swell. That's the best That's the best one. And when was that, roughly? I don't know. For context, for people to give themselves well, somewhere on our journey. Oh, what? As, but first and best are different. You asked two seconds. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. First, I can't remember. I've oh, no okay. It'll be somewhere. In oh, that was the best. Yeah, so the best, best was over. Best right. is, is but you down, can't remember is the down first one. I can't remember the first one. Is I think in Exmouth, it's all chop anyway, isn't it? So you, you get on one, you kind of drop the wing, and then you panic and you pick the wing back up. But you've had a little glide. That's true. You've had a little glide, and then you pick it back up, and you just get longer and longer and longer between it. The first time I remember riding proper waves was probably also the best sessions I've had, Avon Beach. <coughs> Although, do you remember that wave me, you and Steph had? In Exmouth. Yeah, I yeah. I shat myself there. Yeah. I had both of you come in from, one from the left, one from the right, and we were doing a little you party wave, and it was straight. great, and I was just straight lining this wave, and everyone was happy and talking away, and I was like, please go go away <laughs> from me, because I'm about to fall over, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. That I remember. Likewise, Avon Beach was the first session I ever had with some rolling lines of clean swell. And you have the time to relax. You can see exactly what the wave's doing. You look left, you look right, you see where it's peeling if it is. You see where it's going to break, so you go away from it and you've just got so much time in the world. And it's a conveyor, a conveyor belt. Apart from the fact that there's a ton of windsurfers there and generally a ton of um, wingers as well, you ride a wave in, you jump off before you get to the uh, wind shadow, you ride back out, you get onto another one. You wait your turn with the windsurfers and wingers to see who needs to go next, but otherwise it's it's so unbelievably simple. And I said that to Chris last time we were there, and Dan actually from uh, from King of Water Sports. I said, "You guys don't know how lucky you are. This is this place is just insane, phenomenal." What about you? Or is it your turn to talk about winging in general? Winging in general. So my learning experience. I I will never forget my first session. Guys, Mum, Steph Bridge. Most of you will have heard of. That is effectively my boss. She sent me out on my first session. It was late season, autumn 2020. I'm fairly sure. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong. But anyway, I'll never forget the first session because looking back, she sent me out in an absolute stitch up because she basically sent me wind with tide. Um, The wind was dropping a bit, but it's also very much the right philosophy which is any time doing something you're learning something even if it is difficult conditions so I remember the first session I was basically wind with tide I think I was on a swing the first f1 swing and I think it was a five meter um the board was not a branded board it was a tarifa foil board um custom one that i think was made for guy to sup foil it looks quite similar to a lot of the downwinding sup shapes now quite drawn out quite a steady rail line sort of thinner at the front thinner bit bit of width at the back must have been about 100 liters something like that 90 to 100 liters something around that region have no idea what foil was attached to the bottom of it it was an after work session and i just got some gear thrown at me and went go and have a go at that now i lived in the netherlands for a bit i'd come back here me and freddie at the time as we said in the first episode were very into kiting in the waves on wave boards 
and coming back and riding with Guy again, who I would have ridden with when I was younger, I saw him winging, um, and I was like, I've got to do that. And I was watching him in the waves going, that looks amazing. Because I remember I was having sessions on the surfboard where it was a bit choppy and like, yeah, I could ride waves, but it wasn't super fun. Whereas he was just having an absolute blast on the foil as we, some of us know and some of us are aiming to know. That first session was a complete disaster. Uh, for those that know Exmouth, I basically started in front of our centre, right in the middle of the beach, ended up going downwind, went through the swimming area, realised that I was in this position where I could either bail out and try and get back in towards the lifeboat station and, and, the, and the lifeguard hut, or I could go full commitment and just ride out past the um, the breakwater at Mare Rocks and just go, right, I'm going to have another go. And I either get up and I ride back upwind or I just drift a bit further down the beach and I've got a long old walk. So being me, I decided I'm going to have this. I didn't have this. The wind dropped and so I just drifted a good mile down the beach, basically. The thing that made the massive difference, it all clicked straight away on the second session um, and... As I said before, I've done a bit of kite foiling, so I sort of knew how a foil should ride. Um, the second session was flat water, good wind, and it was behind the sandbar in Exmouth. So it was like, a you know, some people would refer to it as a speed strip. It was flat water. I was on that five metre F1 swing again, um, and that was it. And I just, I remember for a very long time having no idea how to pump the wing, having no idea how to pump the foil. And so if I was going to go winging, it had to be at least 18 knots, basically, because I was just relying on pulling on the backhand, you know, generating static power, as I would refer to it, standing there, pulling the backhand in, getting enough power, enough speed, and up I'd go. But that's great. That's brilliant to do. Yeah, that was, that was banging. That was super addictive. I loved the... It felt free. It felt so much freer than kite foiling because you could just drop the wing at any moment. You could lift it and look in under it. You didn't have to wear a harness. There was just so many things that I liked about it. And then I had a bit of a deal with RRD through kiting at the time. So I basically ended up waiting for some gear from them for a long time. And so in that period, I was just using whatever I could get my hands on in the shop. So it was basically whatever was spare out of our you know, at the time, small school fleet um, and just going out on whatever I could have. So it was normally that board that I was referring to. Don't know exactly how much, must be about 95 litres and then typically a five metre wing and just went. And that was that, basically. I then, my first gear of my own uh, was a five metre RRD wing. Their universal foil, which I think is about 1550. That served me really well. And then I actually used a converted Formula kite race board, and those are the box rule boards. They're about one, they're about six foot, uh, ninety liters. Uh, so the old kite Formula boards. If you don't know what that is, look it up and and you'll see. It's not super dissimilar to a modern winging board. Um, no straps on it, and I stuck with that for maybe six months. On that board, I got to the point where I could jibe both ways and I was starting to get my first glides in waves. And whilst I was using that setup, through Steph's encouragement, every now and then I'd have a go on her setup and I'd be trying foils that we were getting to demo and whatnot. Um, and I remember trying her setup. Uh, I can't remember what board she was riding at the time, but it, she'd ordered a Phantom 1080 and... I just fell in love with that 
and I was like, I got on it straight away and I just thought, this is a setup for me. It seemed everything that I could do on that bigger foil, that 1500, even though it was quite a significant drop in area, everything felt easy. It cut through the water nicer. I felt like I had more speed to be able to carry speed through jibes. The pitch control was nice. It felt carvy, but not too loose. Just everything about it I liked. And the only thing that I thought, which was really funny, was I was like, I feel like the rear wing is a little bit oversized on this setup. What was really interesting was that I asked the rep about, and he might be a bit embarrassed me saying this, I asked the rep about whether or not you could use a smaller wing. And I was asking, you know, do any of the team use a different rear wing on this? And he goes, yeah, 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 you can use a smaller ring. The next one down is instead of being a 275, it was a 220. I put it on and I, so I'd ordered, at this point, I ordered myself a Phantom 1080. Uh, I ordered it with this smaller wing and I tried to go and ride it, absolute garbage. Now it turns out that the 220 was actually for the kite foil range oh, and yeah, in the kite foil range, they mount it on the other side of the fuselage. So the setup is completely wrong and it's not compatible at all. So I remember calling the rep and being like, I'm pretty sure you can't use that one, either that or I'm just crap. Um, anyway, nowadays they actually recommend, I think, a slightly smaller rear wing for the 1080, which they released earlier last year, which I now have and love it. So that foil was for sure love at first sight for me. And I still rate it as one of the most accessible for most people. And I rate it as the one that I feel I can achieve what I want to do at my skill level on, which I'll come on to more in a minute. It takes a lot of boxes, doesn't it? It takes a lot of boxes. It's accessible, speed range is amazing, carves nicely, and you can fine-tune the feel of it by which rear wing you use, which so it kind of ticks all the boxes for me. Board nowadays, um, I'd always wanted to have a go at making my own board, and I did, I made my own wing board. It is not super original, it's basically a copy of the Ride Engine Moon Buddy with a few subtle adaptations. Um, but it doesn't follow their sort of size range. It's somewhere around 90 litres. It's like five foot two. does have multiple strap setups. It is full carbon. It is quite light. It's a lot lighter than most production boards. It's insanely light. It's very light. It is insanely light. Um, Which is probably why it's got numerous holes in it now as well. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, well, my attitude was very much save weight where I can in non-structural areas because if it gets damaged, I can fix it. I made it. And it does handle way nicer than any sort of that volume board I've ever used before. So it definitely ticked the box. Now, that's been what I've ridden most during my winging career. For the most of the part, I used to ride, I went from riding strapless to riding two straps to damaging my ankle to now only riding a front strap. Bit like Freddy, I don't hate freestyling quite the same way, but I don't have a lot of interest in jumping because I kite. And I'm never going to jump as high as I can kiting on a wing. But you're a big fan of that strap, aren't you? I'm you're a still... big fan of the front strap. I think this of... is this is a big arg- not argument between us, but this is a big difference between us. I have only very recently put a front strap on to try it and see what all the fuss is about. But I've always been strapless. It takes a while to get used to, but it Whereas saves always... you from so many crashes. Yeah. I'm I'm no question in my mind as you get comfortable. I think a front strap's amazing. So that I'm getting to the point now in the last sort of six months, I'd say if I could have had a smaller board, I would. 
but I've just been too busy and I intend to make my next one as well. So that's something that I have already designed, but I haven't got around to actually getting cut yet. And I'm still using that same foil, that 1080. Likewise, there was definitely some sessions at the end of winter last year where I would have preferred a smaller foil. Uh, would have, I've used a smaller Phantom because we've had those other members of my team have had those at the shop and I've used the smaller Phantoms and they're great. But I also am quite keen to have a go on the smaller sized Eagles, um, which I plan to do soon. So I think I will be s uh, not stepping down on foil because I'm a believer that different gear is appropriate to different conditions. But certainly coming into autumn, winter, when we get more serious swells, I intend to have a smaller foil and a smaller board available to try and experiment with. Because we get so many different conditions. Correct. I am the same with that smaller one. I still haven't made a decision on the where to go and what to do for the smaller one um, based on what we do. Most, what does we talk about? Most memorable set. I can't, I can remember my first glides, but what I do remember was my first glides were actually on that RRD foil and this, simply the size just helped. And they were just in Exmouth in some fairly rubbish sort of two foot windswell. No long period glides, but it was the first time that I've ever actually dropped the wing and gone, oh, look, I'm still going. And then... Best session? Best session. It's got to be one of three on the basis of they're all really good for different reasons. Mm -hmm. There was one in Exmouth. Exmouth is phenomenal in the southeasterly. Which the last time we had a southeasterly was... You weren't there. Oh, okay. When it's southeasterly, you get very good swell. Basically, Exmouth gets a good fetch in a southeast. So even though it is wind swell, it hits our sandbars, and you can basically choose whether you want a more mellow but big wave and ride it longer, or you can choose whether you want to ride in shallower water over a shallower sandbar and have it pitch a little bit more. And I remember I was riding out i'm goofy i was riding out switch stance right foot forward dropping the wing really early pumping into the wave and it's the first time i've realized that actually you can sort of hack a wave on a foil and realize that the wave almost helps you do it because one of the problems i have still using a bigger board trying to achieve the carving that i am on the wave is that the board's got so much width as i roll over i have to be careful not to either hit the board uh, the rail of the board on the water um, that's my worry before actually breaching the wingtip a lot of the time whereas when you do it on a wave um, and do it hacking kind of coming up the wave and off the top and down again you're actually your board is above that bit of the wave where it's sucking up so it kind of naturally helps you do a really aggressive turn and I was just having the time of my life just going out switch dropping the wing really early and doing that and then I think the other one was just scaring myself crapless at Godrevy, north end of Gwydion, yeah, and I, the swell was massive, um, way beyond my ability level, but going out back was fine, riding the waves out back was absolutely fine, but it was kind of a bit too easy because it was just deep water and it was manageable speed and it was a big face and it was super exciting for a bit, but you're going, right, every one of these is the same, there's no critical section here, I can kind of just go anywhere I wanted. So I started riding closer and closer and closer and closer. And as anyone that's kited or surfed up at that Godrevy end, it, it gets pretty exciting as it gets a bit shallower. And I remember taking a few waves, having more speed than I knew what to do with. The old hips and knees were going like the clappers and just thinking, if I don't pull off this now, and there's a, a set of waves behind this, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I just got out by the skin of my teeth on one. It was like, I'm not gonna do that again. 
and then I got so carried away I didn't do it by choice but I ended up doing it again and being in the same situation and I remember pulling off that and going I need to go in now because there's no way I've got another cat's life here to to spend yeah Um, so yeah cool that's that's pretty much that's our winging winging winging. careers Uh, we've got a lot to learn we've got a lot we want to know we've got a lot of conditions we want to go out in we could just for, for the reference in terms of style, I think it, I say style. It's something that we, um, Freddie and I, did a pilot episode that maybe we'll release in the future. But we just recorded it between ourselves to see if we enjoyed doing this, basically, and if we could string a few words together. And one of the things that we talked about in that pilot episode, and one of the conversations we've had a lot, is how people should try gear and buy gear based on what they are trying to achieve. And we, one of the better spots that we ride at is Bantham in South Devon. And when we do that, we tend to go down and meet, um, how do you pronounce his surname? Bowton. Doesn't matter, who cares? Rich Bowton. He won't care. Anyway, he's Rich from Borton. Kite Barn. Bowton. Um, Bowton? Rich. Rich. Richie B. Big, he, big Richie B. Richie <laughs> B. He is local to Bantham. He's Kite Barn, so follow Kite Barn on Instagram if you want to see him. We ride with him a lot. And whilst Freddie's usually floundering on the inside because he's crashed and he can't get up again, Rich and I will be out riding the waves. What I'm trying to achieve and what Rich is doing are two very different things. But Rich is a phenomenal rider and an absolute pleasure to watch. He, in my mind, is like the endless summer you know the surf movie, he's the endless summer of wing foiling. He looks so in control. He swaps and changes gear all the time because he does reviews for magazines and he seems to look very comfortable on all. Now, when we get the, um, the I'll call it the down low review on some of the gear, he might be less positive to us directly than he can put into words sometimes but even that being the case even if he's on gear that he doesn't absolutely love he just looks good on it and he does these wonderfully like drawn out carves when he does start carving on the wave uh, generates speed nicely and just seems to position himself really well now despite the fact I love to watch that I know that when I'm riding I'm trying to achieve a more of a critical shortboard surf style and turn a lot generate speed in the pocket a lot i'd love to get to the point where i can you know breach the tips and start doing that in the wave i'm trying to do that on behind the boat now in a more controlled manner but that's very much where i'm trying to go which is very different to his riding style and we've had this conversation a lot because the type of foil that you're going to want to achieve those two things is very very different so yeah style is style is important yeah and he is a big advocate of, of certain styles of wings and you're a big advocate of other styles of wings. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to see mm-hmm. that he has been riding the Eagle a lot recently and loving that. Now, I've used your ART, mm-hmm. which is a very should be a very similar style of wing. And I know that it's a very different takeoff and everything, but even when I did get riding on it, I was not sold on that straight away when I know a lot of people are. And that's just because I felt like being such a big span, it did require a lot of effort to to initiate a carve and to get it into roll. And I just wasn't willing to sacrifice the playfulness of my wing for the advantage that was there because never when I'm winging have I felt I've needed more glide or I haven't been able to pump my foil to the next section. Therefore, I'd rather maintain that very snappy carving feel. 
Whereas Rich is suggesting that maybe I'll really like the very small eagles because he seems to think that they do roll quite nicely and I'm very interested to have a go. Yeah. Well, we should be trying as many wings as we possibly can, won't we? Mm. As many setups as we can. That's winging. Are we too long? Are we going to have to? Are we gonna, should we yeah. just cut this and then the other stuff we said we'll talk about? We'll talk about in number four. Yeah. Should we just finish it up and then go on to mass length and pump foiling next time? We could. We could get really crazy and release more than two episodes in a week, given that we've already got stuff to talk about. I ain't doing it tonight. The foilers are content hungry. Yeah. I've had that exact statement yeah. used in a message. I reckon we've overrun this episode with what we wanted to chat about. We've been talking too much about winging, which we kind of knew we were going to do anyway, because we, that's what we wanted to talk about in the first place. We wanted to talk about winging episode one, but conditions haven't quite allowed. So we've overrun a little bit. We'll chat about some of the other bits and bobs, some of the sciencey bits on the mass length that Liam wants to get into or delve into more detail with. Uh, we'll update you on some of the pump foiling stuff we've been doing as well. Because oh, we had our first pump foiling session first, this week, and that yeah. was bloody hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't hilarious. laughed that much consistently in a while. But we had some progress as well. We made progress. We definitely had some progress. So say that's that's Liam and Steezy Pete's first time, and I'd been once briefly before with Chris about a year ago. Uh, we had a really good, really good time. I'm glad to hear that Liam enjoyed it because he wasn't that curious. Oh, he was quite curious as to why. I was scared to have a go because I, setting realistic goals, assumed I would achieve nothing, basically. Yeah. So I was intimidated to make that first leap, go and spend an hour and achieve nothing. So I came away absolutely delighted that I did actually progress a little bit. And there's a little bit of stuff on Instagram if you want to have a look at that because there was quite a lot of falling off and making tips of ourselves, basically. Yeah, that, we loved it. We'd like to do a bit more of it, but obviously... That wing has got potential. That's what I would say. I've never, even for the brief moments that I was on that thing, you could feel that at six knots of board speed, oh, that really. thing just wanted to go. Yeah. What was 11, it? 11, pump and glide 11.50, pump and glide. It's the, it was the epitome of pump foiling. Now there's a 13.10 that's been released that's become very, very popular. Hugo Wigglesworth over in New Zealand, I think, because... Um, Pump filed now for 17 minutes, I think was the record, which is just insane. We were managing one and a half. <laughs> you did better seconds. than that. Um, yeah, we'll get there, but we'd like to do a bit more, and we'd like to have a chat with a few a few guests, I was going to say customers. But... Freddie, Freddie's got this, um, just, just FYI, oh, yeah. for those of you that uh, subscribe to The Foiling Magazine, Freddie has his pipe vision of getting an image into that magazine, and we've got the perfect spot. I've just got it in my head. He's I can got the see whole, it. He set the whole thing up. It's but in my head. The problem is, neither of us can consistently get on the bloody thing off of a dock. So once we figure that out, you'll be seeing him in print and he'll be laminating it and sticking it on oh his God, wall. He'll be everywhere. The nice thing with a photo over a video is you can make it look good for all of two seconds and just get the shot and then fall off and it doesn't really matter. If anyone's been wondering why I haven't been my chirpier self today, it's because I did actually come away from that session with a nice ear infection, which might have been the canal water, we don't quite know. But we did do a lot of spearfishing last week as well, so I'm not in the best of moods tonight. But we've powered through it. You, mate, you've sacrificed yourself. Sacrificed um, yourselves for the pod. Before we lose everybody, there is actually some guests lined up already. Richie B, he... Is gonna he is a fascinating person to talk to. Um, we've had since we actually bought the microphone to actually do this podcast. We've already had conversations with him and gone crap. Why didn't we record this? Um, he will be coming on. 
What is his official status for Married. the foiling magazine? One, one kid. Yeah, he's oh. off the market. We know uh, that. He is the technical editor of the foiling mag, and his wife Sarah is the editor editor of foiling mag. And he yeah. has his ear to the ground on pretty much everything, and gets to try out a lot of gear. And as we said, he is very good winging, very good sup foiling. I've and seen incredibly him behind the boat. knowledgeable about the kit that's on and the market. He's a previous distributor of kite brands. He's worked in the industry, him and his wife, for donkey's years. Anyone who kites in the UK generally knows who he is. He, he if you've got questions him. for him already, do start sending them in. He he is a knowledge source that's worth tapping into. He's also got an absolutely wicked sense of humour, and I know that he very much follows our philosophy of saying it how it is so um, do send those in but we can't kiss his ass too much who else we got the other one is Jack Galloway um, he also does a little bit of work for Foily Magazine's competitor actually Tonic he's a, he's Mag a, he's the editor of, is he the editor he's of it the editor oh, of, of okay. Tonic Mate, Mag that guy I don't know how he achieves what he does <laughs> um, he is a bundle of energy um, I really want to do the episode with him as a day in the life of Jack Galloway, mainly because I know I will suffer because I'm definitely not near his fitness level, um, but more so that I want to see Freddie suffer as well. He is the sort of guy that will get up either at God knows what time in the morning to either go and do a half marathon before work or go for a surf foil in the most marginal conditions. He was one of the first people doing the whole ladder start things in the UK. Um, he, what do they call themselves? BH Foilers? Yeah, the Bournemouth Foiling Club. Bournemouth Foiling Lot. But he's, so, he's the instigator of the 6am yeah. ladder crew. But he'll do that, go and do a full day of work, go and do another run, go and wing in, do stuff with the kids. Go. His, his wife's also insanely active. So he's going to be a really interesting person to have on. He is someone that I don't, he just pump foils a lot and like I don't think he's ever surfed and yet he now has such an ability to be able to get up in the most ridiculously crap wave or off any obscure rock or something and just dock start or rock start and start off anything and get out into waves. I just want to hear about his drive to do that and what motivated him because I don't think that he was seeing anyone else around him doing it. He just went, I want to do that. Yeah. and got on with it good on him and I've never met him so I'm quite looking forward to, to meeting him so we're hopefully going to go on a bit of a road trip when we do him yeah. he's in the pool area so we'll hopefully go and visit him spend a day with him and try and record some bits in between we're also the idea that popped into my head last night as I messaged you whilst I was in bed at half eleven at night uh, <laughs> we're both hoping to go to the BKSA Wave Masters over in Ireland in October where there will no doubt, as there usually is, be a lot of knowledge and yeah, an absolute wealth of knowledge of guys there. What guys, is it Angles, Brandon Bay. Brandon Bay, southwest of Ireland, County Kerry, I think. Um, it's west of Cork. West of Cork. So yeah, the, the, there's always a, a shed ton of really shit up wave kiters that go. The majority of those wave kiters have been in the industry for years. They work in the industry or they just shit out of what they do. And the majority of them have all gotten into winging. So they're, they're introducing the wing masters this year as well. Because of that, the idea was we might try and ping them a message and see if we can sit down for an hour or two with a few of them whilst we're out there uh, and pick their brains a little bit. Because even just talking, if we can get Andy Gratwick to have a sit down and just, just talk to us about 
the BKSA and, and its involvement with winging and even the kite side of things. And, and obviously he runs a school and he runs a BKSA. And huge, huge wealth of experience um, to tap into, hopefully, because they're, they're all there and they can't run away. <laughs> there we go. And they might have any phone signals, so. Exactly. But there we go. We'll so, bribe them with a pint of Guinness. Exactly. Uh, episode four. Keep an eye out. Give us a week or so. Hopefully. No, no, no. We're gonna we're gonna do it sooner because we've got more crap to talk about. Yeah. All right. Cool. See you in a bit.